0: This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Your Radio Doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on Your Radio Doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. I'm
1: Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.
3: Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter, always live. On the free Odyssey app. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Saturday afternoon at 5. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross.
0: Listen, seven months or ten months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine.
3: Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie.
4: Good evening and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. This week, our topic is the magic of endoscopy. As gastroenterologists, we perform procedures with which most of you are familiar. Colonoscopy, upper GI endoscopy and we've discussed them before on the show. But since endoscopy came to America in the 1970s, the list of procedures has expanded. We can now address problems that formerly required surgery, like removing gallstones in certain situations. We combine endoscopy with ultrasound and place a needle into the pancreas to sample for cancer cells. And with laparoscopy, we can make a tiny incision near the navel, insert a scope, and look into the belly and make a diagnosis. Today, we take the conversation a step further. You'll learn about a procedure that can treat a condition called achalasia of the esophagus. And now we can even remove small tumors that used to require surgery, so the patient can avoid risks and pain of surgery, spend less time out of work, and less of the affected organ is removed. Our special guest today is Dr. Alex Schlachterman. Associate Professor of Medicine from Sydney Kimmel Medical College and Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, where he is the director of the Third Space Endoscopy Center. And I am very excited to welcome my colleague and friend Hello Alex.
5: Hi Marianne, so thank you for, uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate taking the time to chat with you today.
4: Well, Alex, I know that you're a man of many talents, and not only are you a scientist, but you use the other side of your brain, you like poetry and we're going to talk about your procedure called poem. So I hope it rhymes, but this procedure that you've mastered really has a very specific indication, but you're learning that we can use it in other situations. So let's start there. We talk about this problem in the esophagus called achalasia. Could you tell our listeners what achalasia is?
5: Sure. Well, uh, you know, achalasia is a description of a complex swallowing issue. Um, Many of our achalasia patients have difficulty swallowing liquids and solids, and it's really not only a change in the motility of the esophagus, but also a failure for the lower esophageal sphincter or the muscle of the distal esophagus just before the stomach failing to relax. This high pressure and uh, tight stricture of a muscle can be accessed multiple ways but unfortunately, patients suffer for many years with difficulty swallowing, uh, and over time, they don't know why they're having trouble swallowing. So achalasia is really a description of not only the motility of getting things down, but also failure of that failure relax- of this muscle. So odor. for our
4: listeners, if they think of the esophagus, I always tell my patients, it's like the sliding board that carries that sip of juice or uh, taste of bread, you chew it, It goes down the esophagus into the stomach. And if you picture it as a garden hose, maybe at the end of that garden hose, where we, where we think of the little metal ring, there's a round muscle that opens to let your meal in, but it closes to prevent reflux, um, or, or aspiration. So we think of that long muscles from mouth to stomach. And the control or the the truck stop is that round muscle or sphincter, just like the sphincter at the end of our colon that that, that allows us to get to the bathroom in time. So what you're saying is that muscle, that round muscle, the the doorway, if it's too tight, you eat a meal, it doesn't go through. And so people experience what? What are the symptoms that might be classic for that?
5: Sure. Um, So many folks will eat a meal and it could come back up. They can feel it in their chest it doesn't go down. They'll have odynophagia or pain with swallowing, uh, regurgitation, food that's actually never digested. It didn't make it to the stomach and it comes up. And that could be immediately or uh, later on the next day, for instance, if it sits in the esophagus. Weight loss over time. And that weight loss is just basically because people have fear of eating. When they eat, they have issues. So they decrease their eating. These symptoms combined make up an Eckerd score. And from that score in a clinic, we can determine what's going on, that in combination with a few tests, which we'll Mm -hmm. talk about.
4: So we're going to talk about the procedure itself. But before this was available, and we're going to congratulate you because you've completed 200 of these procedures. So you are a national expert. But prior to this, how did people cope? What did we have to offer? How was it treated?
5: So historically, we didn't know what was causing the issue, and people would just get a dilation, whether it be stretching uh, and even medicines were used. But unfortunately, they didn't do a whole lot for long-term symptoms. People might get relief for a day or a couple of weeks, but not really definitive uh, procedures. There are surgical approaches to cutting into the abdomen or in through the chest to get to the esophageal muscles, uh, but they're pretty invasive. So I'd have to say that people suffered for a long time before they actually got treatment. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot to offer other than big invasive procedures.
4: So if we ask somebody to make a fist and they look at their fist and right where the thumb makes a circle with the index finger, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at this tight sphincter. And prior to this, we put maybe a little catheter in with a balloon attached to it and pump up the balloon and try to stretch it open. And as you say... Maybe that would give relief for a short while, or then came along came Botox, and if you injected that circular muscle, your the goal would be maybe to um, to freeze it open. I mean, Botox paralyzes muscle, and, and hope that that would help for a while. And then the surgery, as you say, is it's not a very welcome choice to have your chest cut open or enter through the belly, and uh, big big surgery. So so tell us now what your procedure offers. You're using a scope to do this great work. Tell us.
5: Thanks. Love to. So, you know, historically, whether it be pneumatic dilation, stretching this muscle until it pops, or doing a Heller myotomy, which is the surgical approach, those those procedures, as we've mentioned, have been are pretty invasive and also have risks. The POEM procedure, which stands for per-oral, through the mouth, endoscopic, myotomy, allows for a Japanese technique getting into what's called the submucosa. And the way I usually describe this is if we think of the layer of the esophageal wall, you have the mucosal layer where the food touches. Directly underneath the mucosal layer is the submucosa. And that's kind of looks like cotton candy between the mucosa and the muscle layer, which is now the next layer. And there's two rings of muscles. Essentially, a ring of muscle that runs the length of the esophagus, circumferential muscles, and then the longitudinal muscles, which help with motility. Getting the scope under the mucosal layer, which I usually use a ballpoint pen to show about the diameter of an upper endoscope with a distal cap on the end, allows us to get into a space with an incision no larger than a centimeter. That one centimeter incision is in the esophageal wall approximately 10 to 15 centimeters above the GE junction or the gastroesophageal junction. By injecting and lifting and separating those layers, getting our scope under that mucosal layer, we can dissect and make a submucosal tunnel from the esophagus all the way down to the cardia of the stomach or the beginning portion of the stomach just past the esophagus. Now that that tunnel's been created, Any small little vessels, which are about the end of the ballpoint pen, can be coagulated to prevent bleeding, and these circumferential muscle fibers that are not relaxing can be dissected. When I describe this for a circle, we're going from the letter O to the letter C. Dissecting one side of the muscle expands and relaxes that muscle, so it can't squeeze anymore. And now what we've done is taken a non-functional muscle that won't relax due to neurotransmitters, whatever the issue is, and now relax the muscle permanently. So we've taken a permanent problem and given a permanent solution. Once we come out of this tunnel, we close up that one centimeter incision site. And I use my thumbnail to describe about what a centimeter is. And we close that with clips that fall off on their own. So patients do really well. Procedure takes anywhere between 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, and then folks get an esophagram to show that everything's closed up tight, and we start a diet and get them home after 23 hours. So the procedure is very low risk, although we need to be careful, uh, and we need to make sure that care is taken on the pre and the post op, uh, and as well as giving antibiotics, mm-hmm. general anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the procedure- and We'll
4: talk about all those steps. I, I I didn't mean to interrupt you, but when you compare this new when we when we collectively come up with a new procedure we say how do we ever live without this it's so obvious why didn't we think of this before but when you compare the success rate to this which is so much less invasive and we'll talk about the steps in a minute um, how do the results compare to this correction using surgery
5: sure well it's best when we look at published data with randomized controlled trials And they're out there. Matter of fact, there was a recent publication just a couple of years ago comparing the POEM procedure to Heller myotomy with Dorfund fundoplication. The outcomes were equivalent for these patients. The big difference between these different procedures, the Heller myotomy had a higher, um, had adverse outcomes that were increased, where the POEM procedure had significantly less bleeding, infection, any issues. The biggest difference is reflux. The heller myotomy with a door application does uh, a, an anti-reflux procedure. We found that our patients, and we've done loads of studies, and there are a lot of data out there, they don't need this anti-reflux procedure, but staying on an acid suppressor medication such as a PPI, proton pump inhibitor, uh, is a good idea after a procedure such as a polyp.
4: Let's take a little break and we'll be right back to hear more about this new procedure to make swallowing easier.
6: Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at
7: yourradiodoctor.net. Hi, I'm Dr. Denny Carice, Chief Science Officer at Recovery Centers of America, and I'm here as your addiction expert. So a lot of people ask me, Denny, what is fentanyl, and what are these things called analogs? Is fentanyl heroin? Fentanyl is not heroin, but it's an opioid, like heroin, and like carfentanyl the other analogs. So all the opioids, we compare all of them to morphine, the first and organic opioid. Now heroin is about two to five times stronger than morphine and fentanyl can be 50 to 100 times stronger. We have that big range there because it's illicitly manufactured fentanyl, it's not pharmaceutical fentanyl. Now, carfentanyl is another one people hear about. There's only one accepted legitimate use of carfentanyl, and that's in veterinary sciences and that's to sedate large animals like African elephants. There's no really legitimate use or no reason why that would have any human use whatsoever because carfentanyl can be up up to 10,000 times stronger than morphine. Now let's go on to the analogs. An analog is when you look at this molecular structure of something and you add a little molecule or you move a little molecule over here, but it has the same effect. So if you take fentanyl and you move a little molecule, you now have an analog, same thing with carfentanil. The problem with those are that they didn't exist yesterday. So something that didn't exist yesterday that a street chemist makes is not illegal. So what used to happen is that we had to identify it, find it on the street, give it a name, test it, identify the molecular structure, and then push it through the DEA. Well in twenty eighteen the law changed that said anything that has a very similar molecular structure like fentanyl or carfentanyl that is an analog is automatically illegal. So that was really helpful, but it does expire October 22nd in this year, so we really need to fight to extend that law to continue out because we don't want people getting fentanyl, carfentanyl, or any of the analogs. And by the way, there's about fourteen hundred identified analogs out there. So, the big problem is that when somebody laces heroin or even fentanyl, carfentanyl, or the other analogs, it's very likely the person will have an overdose death, and we don't want that happening to our kids. If you or a loved one has a problem with alcohol or drugs, call 1 888 RECOVERY today or go to recoverycentersofamerica.com. We answer the phone and admit patients 24 7. That number again is 1 888 RECOVERY.
1: I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement
4: Welcome back to your radio doctor. We're having a great discussion with Dr. Alex Schlachterman from Jefferson, learning about a procedure that's relatively new, but with which he has great experience. So Alex, we're talking about achalasia, a disorder of the esophagus that that doorway from esophagus to stomach is shut tight. And we want to open it in a non-invasive way called POEM per oral, meaning through the mouth, you pass an endoscope and you go in there and with um, the right, uh, instruments, you're able to make an incision, open up the muscle just enough so the person can swallow without difficulty. And as you said, you don't want to open it too much because you don't want to open the door and allow reflux. And and uh, But tell us, are there any risks? I know your um, track record is wonderful. Are there risks in
5: general? or? So I think any procedure that we go through, we have to talk about risks and benefits and make sure that we're choosing our patients appropriately and applying mm-hmm. the right procedures. Uh, there are things that we do in order to make sure that we're doing that. Uh, and to answer your question in regard to risks, doing the proper assessment is key. So doing an upper endoscopy, high-res manometry uh, to evaluate the motility and the and the IRP or how tightly the muscle is squeezing, timed esophagrams, those are all really important. New kid on the block is uh, endoflip, which allows for Uh, measuring diameter and distensibility, and this works in conjunction with the high-res manometry measurement, which is the gold standard. Endoscopic Mm -hmm. ultrasound is super important as well to rule out esophageal mass or pseudoachalasia, other reasons why there might be swallowing issues. Mm -hmm. pH studies aren't always done, but they're not a bad thing to have on board if there's concern for reflux. When we talk about risks, though, once we've chosen the appropriate patient, we know that we're applying the right therapy We have to talk about bleeding, infection, perforation, and a lot of these parameters and protocols that we have in place uh, that I've implemented over my time here in the Third Space program at Jefferson is to make sure that those risks are extremely low and minimal. There are a bunch of studies that we put together and we follow our patients and uh, make sure that we're always improving and taking that data into consideration for our future patients and and program. Uh, and, And I'll have to say that We've had wonderful outcomes.
4: Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that anytime we do an endoscopy, we say to the person, the patient, we've done hundreds, thousands of these procedures. And anytime we go internally, there is a bleeding, infection, a tear in the lining. In this case, if you tear the lining, you have to tear the lining a little bit to do your work. But if it goes through and it leaks air into the chest or into the abdomen, you're able to even treat that medically. I think that's what people need to hear that yes, there, there could be a tear but it doesn't mean you're going to end up in surgery because you have crazy glue. Don't you have a, a glue called fibrin glue that just brings it back together and and uh, your, your uh, 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 complication rate is well below 1%. It's pretty remarkable.
5: Thank you. Uh, so mm-hmm. um, crazy glue. Well, uh, I don't necessarily apply glue in this situation. Uh, this one centimeter incision that's, that's an intentional incision in the esophageal wall is closed with either clips or a suture, depending on the thickness of the mucosa. Um, And we show that that incision site is closed with a follow-up esophagram to prevent leak, any infection, any issues. And so our protocol is to make sure that we uh, ensure safety and no leak prior to discharging our patients.
4: And once you do the repair, um, just like I I always... uh, say to listeners, picture a person who has a third-degree burn. The skin is going to look scarred. Do you ever see um, the lining of the esophagus, for our listeners, It's just like inside your mouth. It's shiny it's smooth, and it's called mucosa. Does that mucosa ever scar and leave a narrowing? Not in this case, does it?
5: So not in this case. The incision site is about a centimeter, which is pretty small, Mm -hmm. and that incision site is called a mucosectomy, Uh, That's getting that scope and cap under the the mucosal layer. I go back a year later and check all of the folks who've had poem to ensure that everything looks good and that they're healing well. They don't have signs of reflux or Barrett's, anything that might be a concern. Mm -hmm. And I look at this site every time I go back. That mucosectomy site is very small. It's healed well. Uh, The clips that were placed fall off on their own. So no need for follow-up endoscopy to remove those. Uh, and there's no stricturing at that site because again this is a very small incision site um, and yeah. and so no need to stretch and i think or do what
4: people now. need to understand too is when you're going to have a relatively new procedure like this you want to go to a master you want to go to somebody who's done it so many times that they have the experience because again you're opening that door and you want to do just enough that the person can swallow comfortably and not too much because then experience reflux and increase the risk for aspiration all those unwanted uh, results so you want to make sure that the person is a good candidate so as you said you're going to do an endoscopy you'll do manometry which is pressure readings to really we have to make the diagnosis when you do a barium swallow or a timed esophagram what we look for is a classic finding on x-ray called the bird's beak right and sometimes you use ultrasound so then um there are other things in your protocol to make sure i guess i should ask two things are there any reasons why a person wouldn't be a candidate? Are there any contraindications, like if they've had radiation in the past or uh, previous surgery?
5: Right. So uh, there's a lot of things that go that patients present with uh, that look initially set as dysphagia or trouble swallowing, and it's thought to be achalasia mm-hmm. at the first diagnosis, um, maybe the feeling, the Eckerd. And then we bring them in, we do their workup and we do all these studies to differentiate the different types of trouble swallowing. One, achalasia, which is broken down into type 1, type 2, type 3, jackhammer esophagus, lots of different subtypes. If they've had previous surgery, such as a heller myotomy and a fundoplication, that can stricture down. Uh, if they've had a Nissen fundoplication or other anti-reflux procedures, those can stricture down. And people, when they get trouble swallowing, they may require an intervention. Differentiating from a hiatal hernia, which is when the stomach comes up to hang out where the esophagus lives, that needs to be differentiated from achalasia. So those studies are really good to help us differentiate these two different mm-hmm. uh, issues. Uh, and clearly, a hiatal hernia is going to be treated differently than a person with achalasia. Mm -hmm. In there, we don't want to cut the muscle. We actually want to figure out a way to maybe tighten up, whether it be with surgery or a TIF procedure, which is a transoral incisionless fundoplication, a different endoscopic approach to a wrap Mm -hmm. for a small hiatal hernia. But again, there are different treatment options for people with different diagnosis. Yeah. So, the first thing is to figure out which
1: one yeah. it
4: is. Yeah, so for our listeners, a hiatal hernia, a lot of people say that and don't really know what it is. Your diaphragm separates the upstairs from the downstairs, separates your chest from your belly. Through that diaphragm, you think of the, the pole in the firehouse that the fireman slides down. Your esophagus slides through the diaphragm through an opening, and if that opening stretches, your stomach can herniate up into your chest. So that's a different approach, a different surgery. But I think um, you ex- you... Ex- brought out the point I wanted you to say, I am the master trying to make you a dog. No, <laughs> but that um, with the bigger surgeries, you can have strictures, you can have scarring after the repair, but with your little one centimeter guy, you're doing the job. And some of those big complications don't happen all the more reason why this is a wonderful choice. So you want to p- make sure the person is in good health to tolerate general anesthesia, right? You use general anesthesia to do it. So you uh, if, if there's any reason why a person has any kind of heart history, you get cardiac clearance to make sure they're well enough to go through anesthesia, maybe liquid diet for a couple days. And if they're on a blood thinner, how do you handle that?
5: Right. So these are, these are great points to bring up. So blood thinners definitely need to be stopped before any invasive procedure or cutting. Um, cardiology clearance, I think, is important. We are putting folks under general anesthesia, one, to protect their airway. The other two. The other thing is that you need to make sure folks are perfectly still while we're working uh, in this area. We don't want any issues related to movement, coughing, such as what might happen during, say, propofol, which is a sedation given, for instance, in colonoscopy. So, the the anesthesia is really important to do, and uh, general is 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 important here. I will say that the folks that come in for POEM procedure are usually at a much Uh, higher risk due to comorbidity and avoid surgical intervention. And for that matter, go to POEM because uh, this could be used for healthy folks that don't need um, procedures that we're avoiding, say, for instance, general surgery. But they can also benefit. So to summarize there, folks with comorbidities can benefit from less invasive procedures.
4: Mm -hmm. So once a procedure is done, You send the patient for a post-surgical, or I should say post-procedure, barium swallow. And that is, as you said earlier, you want to make sure this is airtight. There are no leaks. And if we find them, you're ready. You are prepared. Um, You have that all lined up. uh, And you're going to keep them on clear liquids to let that area heal. And you, you do keep people overnight, I guess, to watch them. And for pain control, you give antibiotics during the procedure and for about three days after?
5: Do you give antibiotics? And we do uh, do mm-hmm. post-procedure antibiotics as well, uh, three to five days. Mm-hmm. As far as the diet, clear liquids for two days, followed by anything through a straw. Don't need to use a straw, but things that could fit through a straw for five more days. That allows for that mucosectomy site with the clips to heal nicely uh, mm-hmm. and just not knock off any clips with any solid food. Um,
4: and I think what's really promising is it started with achalasia, we perfected that you like the royal weight, you have. I, I don't do the procedure. Um, but I know you're, it's being used now for other conditions. And you mentioned jackhammer. That's an esophagus that's really um, a lot of uh, spasm, really severe spasm. So for our listeners, it's not just your food feels like it gets stuck. Your whole esophagus is muscular. So if that, that attempt to go through the um, sphincter doesn't occur, that, that uh, pressure can back up and it feels like you're having a heart attack. But what's really cool, I'm learning that you're um, using this procedure now, or some people are, to open the sphincter that empties the stomach for people that have stomach issues. It's it's just brilliant.
5: Well, thank you. So I call it the ABCs of POEM. This There's a Z POEM for Zanker's diverticulum. There's a D for divert, epiphrenic diverticulum of the esophagus. G POEM for gastroparesis and the pylorus of the stomach. So again, we could go through every alphabet, but I'll just say that getting into a site to access the muscle is what we talk about when we're considering third space endoscopy. And in this case, poem.
4: Third space, the new frontier. And we'll be back in just a moment on your radio doctor.
0: Today's edition of your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search your radio doctor. It's health education on demand.
8: This is Emily Rubin, dietitian from Thomas Jefferson University Hospital and the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics here to present you with your nutrition tip of the week. So this week, we're going to continue with our summertime favorites and focus a little bit about vacation. Let's now go to the beach. So save your, your indulgences for the boardwalk and pack high-fiber, high-protein lunches, and snacks for picnics on the sand. Think of fresh fruits, veggies, Greek yogurt. You can even do some low-fat cheese, some turkey roll-ups, peanut butter sandwiches or almond butter sandwiches, and whole cream bread. These foods will keep you feeling full while giving you energy to participate in all your fun beach activities. Riding the waves, playing beach volleyball, throwing a frisbee, building sandcastles, hunting for beautiful shells on the shore, just taking a stroll by crashing the waves are all ways to keep you fit and active. So some of the particular veggies that you could pack would be some bell peppers, broccoli, cabbage, cucumber, and you could dip them with some low-fat salad dressing or even some Greek yogurt. They are all high in antioxidants, fibers, and vitamins. There's a great variety of fresh fruits in the summer. We have um, mangoes, pineapples, strawberries, all rich in vitamin C and also contain other vitamins like A, B, E, and K. These fruits are especially hydrating, such as melons and watermelons, and they're a great way to keep your potassium level high and hydrated. So at the beach, the temperatures may not feel very hot because you have this cool breeze. But that being said, there's still dehydration, still can be a major concern. So you wanna make sure that you drink either water or have a fruit flavored. Beverage or a, a sports drink that includes your potassium and sodium to prevent dehydration. You could also do some fruit added to the to the uh, hydration beverages as well. You could buy a, a reusable water bottle and keep and keep it with you all the time to make sure you, as a reminder, to take sips regularly. This is Emily Rubin presenting you with your nutrition tip of the week. For more information, go to yourradiodoctor.com.
1: I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars, Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.
7: Now. When we ask questions, we make sure they're the big ones. Like when it comes to diseases, can we strive to treat, prevent, and even reverse them? And how can we make healthcare more effective and more affordable? These are the types of questions that can help impact the lives of so many patients, that help push the boundaries of innovation and healthcare for all communities. At Genentech, we are the pioneers of the biotech industry, tackling some of the biggest questions in healthcare. Learn more at gene.com/slash ask bigger
6: questions. Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, now Saturday afternoons at
0: 5, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. This program is paid for by your Radio Doctor LLC. Welcome
4: back to your Radio Doctor. We are so happy that Dr. Alex Schlachterman is here from Jefferson to talk about third space endoscopy, which means he goes into the esophagus or the stomach or even a colon exam and the the shiny lining called the mucosa, each of these organs in our GI tract has several layers and he's able to, with the right technique, make small incisions and do great work. Alex, we talked a lot about POEM. If people want to read about that at the end, we can give them maybe a website, but now let's move on to ESD. I don't want to steal your thunder. Tell us what ESD means and and how you use that to remove tumors from the esophagus, the stomach, the colon, and rectum.
5: Sure. Well, I'll say that ESD has been a passion of mine for many years. Uh, having trained at the University of Florida prior to coming to, back to Philadelphia, uh, where I'm from, and starting the program at Thomas Jefferson, I was able to observe and work with doctors in Florida that brought the procedure from Japan. Uh, So after doing a fellowship in third space endoscopy, not only in Florida, but Japan and Colorado, bringing these techniques has really been the highlight of my career. What we're able to do now endoscopically for tumor removal is amazing. Uh, So for T1A, or tumors that are confined to the mucosa on that top layer of either the esophagus, stomach, colon, or rectum, we're able to inject, lift, separate the layers, dissect around a tumor, and remove the entire tumor in one piece. And so the benefit is huge when you take Mm -hmm. a tumor out and you can define the edges and the deep margins. When you give it to a pathologist, they can tell you, yes, you've in fact gotten the entire tumor out out, or unfortunately there was ingrowth and this tumor needs to now go to surgery.
4: Mm -hmm. So for our listeners, when we talk about doing a biopsy. It means we take a tissue sample um, and we look at the cells, but we also look at the neighborhood. When we do a surgical removal, let's say it's a mole. That's the easiest uh metaphoric or easiest example for to paint a picture for our listeners. If a mole is say five millimeters in size and it's a melanoma, we want the, the pathologist wants you to take a margin of say three millimeters in circle around it so that they can clearly say you got it all and all the tissue around that site is clear of any cancer cells. So you're, I'm, I mean, that's your goal with this, right? If somebody has a growth in, in the lining of the stomach or colon and you, and as I understand it started, this procedure started in the stomach, but it might look like it's just in the lining, but maybe it has grown more deeply into the deeper layers. So with your procedure called ESD or endoscopic submucosal, again, we're going below that lining, that, that shiny surface into the deeper layers to make sure we get it all. And you can hand over, uh, what you call an end block or one piece, one tumor with lots of tissue around it and say, here, pathologist, please tell me I got the whole thing. And when they say, yes, you saved that person's surgery. You've, uh, prevented uh, them losing more of their colon or stomach. Tell us a little bit about that.
5: Sure. So this is called end block uh resection, as you said. And I like to use the analogy of working in the garden. As you're taking out a weed, you want to make sure you have the roots and everything removed so that weed doesn't grow back. And we, when we take an end block resection, and you're able to define the borders, the peripheral, as well as the deep margin, you have what's called an R0 margin. That's going to allow for a patient to have an organ-sparing procedure. At this point, now we don't need to do an esophagectomy, cutting out the esophagus, a gastrectomy, cutting out the stomach, colectomy, cutting out the colon, or even more invasive, a low APR, one of these bigger surgeries that goes down into the pelvis to remove the rectum, colostomies. These things all come off the table. Surveillance is going to be decreased. This 20% recurrence rate that happens when people take off large lesions um, piecemeal or taking it off in several sections is gonna be decreased significantly. When you're taking it out and you can define all the edges, now you've been able to prevent um, any mystery as to whether you got it all or not. Mm -hmm. You can also look at what's called the lymphovascular invasion, look at the vessels, stain for the vessels, and do it all in one piece. This is really a huge lift in our medical approach. And even though it started in Japan over 20 years ago, it's been slow growing around the world. So the Japanese and the Asian communities and, and countries have clearly adopted this. Europeans have adopted this as well. Early adopters here in the United States are here, and we're building this for our patients here in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just been wonderful.
4: Yeah, and I think what people need to hear is that or understand is that Japan put so much energy and focus into this procedure, and it started the summit because there's such a high um, – um, Incidence of stomach cancer, gastric cancer, in Japan. So naturally, they really put all their energy into trying to find a way to get early cancers, remove it with a, a good margin, and uh, be a, be a cure without removing the person's whole stomach. Because if you have a tumor at the at the lowest part of the esophagus, where it meets the stomach, that surgery is brutal. We remove that more than half the esophagus and pull the stomach up into the chest. It's a tough life. Yes. The person's cured, but the aftermath is not, is not pretty. Um, and, uh, again, just like poem, if you can go in and do the work and preserve the organ and avoid surgery, what a miracle. So the other nice thing is you work as a team with radiologists, surgeons. Um, and if a person has been having, uh, say, reflux and aspirating because of achalasia or something, you're actually helping their pulmonary condition too, if they've been aspirating or they have pneumonitis. So you work with pulmonary doctors closely. Tell me about your teamwork. Sure.
5: Um, so one of the nice things about Jefferson is we have a wonderful collaboration with other departments, division. And I'll say that, you know, we, we care about our patients. And when we can do something that's going to benefit our patients with something that's minimally invasive, that's what we do. I'll tell you, some of my biggest referring doctors are surgeons, Um, whether it be for achalasia, previous, you know, swallowing issues related to a stricture from a previous Nissen uh, or other anti-reflux procedure, or a lesion in the esophagus, stomach, colon, and rectum, we would much rather save that organ. Uh, And so working closely with these groups, the radiologists, the pulmonologists, the pathologists, the surgeons, interventional radiology, you name it. It's a really good group. Um, And this isn't just here at Jefferson. We're getting referrals all over the state. I have folks flying in from the islands and from down south who don't have these procedures offered in their region. Uh, And it's just wonderful. It's great that we're able to offer this and and help our patients. It
4: really is wonderful. Alex, um, I know that... uh, we're in an academic institution, which is a gift as well, because then you can work with other big institutions across the country. You share your information, and you have a a very
5: large data bank. And this year alone, you've already published fourteen papers uh, in the last two years, yes. and and so we we continue to collaborate with many institutions throughout the country because for me, the most important thing is to offer the best care for our patients. And if that sure. means getting the data out there so that we can show that these are safe procedures, that we're doing the right things for our patients, and let other folks around the country, different institutions know that we can do this safely, we need to share that data. Uh, and Absolutely. So when, as we go, mm-hmm. to, when I go to give a talk at a, at a conference, whether it be local, nationally, or internationally, we want to make sure that we collaborate. And so we've done that. And we keep doing it. And so that's how a lot of these papers have come about. So we all share data.
4: Absolutely. We have a few minutes, Alex. Let's talk about EDGE. Tell us what that acronym means.
5: Sure. Um, so an EDGE procedure is a, as we, as we talk about other therapeutic options uh, to prevent surgery, there's um, procedures that we can do for folks who say have had bariatric surgery. And unfortunately, after bariatric surgery, maybe there's a person that might have a gallbladder uh, stone that falls into the bile duct and they get obstructed. Or for some reason, they have a, a lesion in the pancreas, in the head of the pancreas, that needs to be investigated endoscopically. With their altered anatomy, uh, it's, it's tougher to get to those sites. So there's an endoscopic approach called endoscopic-directed transgastric ERCP, an ERCP is a term for which we go into the bile duct uh, and evaluate, pull out stones, put stents, do other things to help drain the liver or the pancreas. So an EDGE procedure is a stent uh, that allows us to recommunicate the gastric pouch or jejunum after a after previous ruin en y bypass, connecting it back to the remnant stomach or the original stomach. And now, our scopes, our specialized scopes, can get into position to do these advanced procedures such as ERCP or endoscopic biopsies.
4: And I'm sure there are people listening that have heard of an ERCP, which is also an endoscopic procedure that, when it came about, it's the scope that we use to look in people's esophagus and stomach and a little bit of the intestine. And then there's this little opening in the duodenum right past the stomach where we can thread a catheter and put dye and it lights up all the channels that up the liver and pancreas. And it's just so magnificent. And that's where we can uh, eliminate gallstones and all these kinds of things in the right setting. But as you say, if the stomach has been uh, made smaller through surgery and the, the connections are different, here's another way. It's an app on an app, I guess, which makes it beautiful. I guess that's the best language for people to understand it, you know, in today's um, newspeak, an app on an app. It's it's just magnificent to hear about this, Alex. Let's take a little break and we'll be back for our wrap-up.
0: Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross.
1: Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no co-pays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision and hearing benefits with no co-pays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating, Philly's most popular plan. Don't wait, visit ibxmedicare.com star.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.
3: now your weekly prescription brought to you by genentech the science-driven company that pioneered the biotech industry to transform how we treat the world's most complex health problems
4: and welcome back to your radio doctor in our final segment which we call your weekly prescription brought to you by genentech dr alex schlachterman what a pleasure it's been to hear from you and really giving great hope to people when they hear that so many great procedures that provide comfort and, and a cure to, to some very common GI disorders can be done with the magic of endoscopy. What is your final message to our listeners?
5: Well, first of all, I'd just like to say, thank you, Miriam, for having me. Um, oh. it, that's wonderful and such a pleasure to be with you. So I guess my, my final message here, you know, in regards to achalasia. Uh, these are treatments, we have treatments available to help folks that are minimally invasive and patients should not be suffering. We want to avoid the concerns for aspiration and all the complications that are associated with swallowing issues related to achalasia. This is something that we can do endoscopically and we can avoid invasive surgery uh, such as myotomy versus thoracic or abdominal surgery to get to the esophagus. Now these are Short procedures, patients are in and out, and go home with less than a day. Uh, Within 23 hours, they're usually home. In regards to ESD, which is, again, my passion, being able to identify early when these lesions are in the esophagus, stomach, colon, and rectum is really important. Salvaging organs to prevent unnecessary surgical intervention for these um, lesions is also wonderful. Can't say that it's never done. But I'll say ESD can not only be diagnostic, but many times therapeutic, preventing invasive surgery. So I'll just say that I really appreciate it when folks get to me early. Uh, so for GI docs that get to see these folks, if they ever want to send them over for evaluation to a third space endoscopy program, surely ours at Jefferson, we would love to help, um, would be would be just great. And they would benefit not only the patients, but I think It really helps uh, everyone all around to make sure we treat these folks early and often.
4: So for those of you just tuning in, we're talking to Dr. Alex Schlachterman from Jefferson Endoscopy, Jefferson GI. And the first topic we cover is achalasia. Your belt is too tight. And with a twist of the wrist, Dr. Schlachterman with a scope, with the magic of a scope can go in there and open that belt buckle and loosen it a notch or two and let you swallow comfortably again and avoid major surgery through the chest or belly. ESD is using a scope again and removing early cancerous tumors, sometimes precancerous, but early cancerous tumors from the esophagus, stomach, or colon or rectum without removing a large portion and, and doing the job completely and giving the person a cure. It's just fantastic. And finally, people that have had gastric bypass surgery that need a special test, we do to look at pancreas and liver ducts. Can be done now through the magic of endoscopy alex if somebody wanted to see you as a patient which i would highly advise i i have always said how much i love being a gi doctor at jefferson because i work with some of the nicest smartest funnest gi doctors i've ever met on the planet and you are one of those people i've never heard you complain you were always in a good mood and your patients love you and i congratulate you having done 200 of these poem procedures Uh, Congratulations to you, your fantastic team, and to the patients who have uh, gone through it. How would somebody reach you to make an appointment?
5: Well, thank you, Marianne. Uh, So our office number is 215-955-8900. They can also reach out uh, to leave a message uh, and and schedule an appointment. Um, I hope it's not too backed up because we do everything we can to get folks in as soon as possible. Uh, but yes. please feel free to reach out.
4: and And I always remind people if they forget our GI office number, they can always call one eight hundred Jeff now. Dr. Alex Schlachterman, thank you. You're the best. I wish you continued success, and uh, we really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. And now for Your Real Champion, I call this segment, Crab Cakes for a Cause. Several months ago, Your Real Champions were Chuck and Nancy Wojciechowski, owners of Captain Chucky's Crab Cake Company. The couple had a super successful seafood market business with a total of 14 stores in several counties in the Philadelphia area. They were known for crab cakes that were big in size and even bigger in taste. Even more remarkable, were their supersized jumbo colossal generous hearts to show gratitude for their catholic education each year they supply a christmas feast for over 200 retired nuns in camilla hall complete with surf and turf lots of desserts entertainment from a magician strolling minstrels even the polish american string band now that's a great birthday party for baby jesus and to that Chuck has frequent chili cookoffs, making up to 4,000 pounds of chili, which he donates to homeless shelters. Several of the Captain Chucky's locations have other owners who also enjoy bringing great service and top quality seafood to their communities. Jason and Bridget Laudier happened to own Captain Chucky's stores in Bucks County and Wildwood. So, when Chuck and Nancy decided to close the door on years of work, they handed the keys to Jason and Bridget who now co-own the Newtown Square location and two farmer's market sites with Greg Ott. Like Chuck and Nancy, Jason and Bridget are grateful for their success and feel compelled to share their good fortune. They continue the tradition of partnering with multiple schools and churches in fundraising programs. But recently, Bridget saw a story on the news. A seven-year-old little girl named Philomena was diagnosed with an aggressive brain tumor called diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma, a brain tumor that affects mostly children under age 11, spreads quickly, and usually has a poor prognosis. Bridget was especially moved to learn how this child touched the hearts of so many people. When Make-A-Wish asked the little girl what she'd like, she asked to meet Jesus they couldn't make that happen, so they offered her a second wish. Then she asked to meet the Blessed Mother. While short of taking her on a trip to heaven, the Foundation arranged for the child to meet the Pope in Italy, and then she continued to ask for daily communion. Sadly, little Philomena lost her battle within a year. Bridget was truly lifted by the child's innocence and selflessness and reached out to Philomena's parents to offer support. Bridget now promotes Philomena's Jersey Shore Crab Cakes, which have become a very popular item. A portion of the proceeds is donated to Storm the Heavens Fund, a foundation in Philomena's memory committed to spreading awareness and funding research to rid the world of this glioma brain tumor. As parents, maybe our most important job is to be good role models for our children. Bridget and Jason Laudier definitely do that well. Their daughter, Britta, attended Villa Joseph-Marie High School in Holland, Pennsylvania, and in each of her four years played an active role in her school's THON, a student-run dance marathon which raises money, which then goes to Penn State THON to help fight childhood cancer. In her senior year alone, the students raised $140,000 after hearing Philomena's mother speak directly to their student body. Jason, Bridget, and their entire family truly embody the spirit of generosity. We salute you, Bridget and Jason Laudier, your world champions. Remember these two ways you can help. Shop at Captain Chucky's Crab Cake Company at 14 locations and learn more about Storm the Heavens Fund. Thank you for listening this afternoon and every Saturday at 5 o'clock here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Listen again to this show of Your Radio Doctor or any of our shows wherever you find your podcasts or on odyssey.com, that's dot com, and search for Your Radio Doctor. Next week is Labor Day weekend. Tune in to Your Radio Doctor at our usual time, Saturday afternoon at five o'clock and hear one of our best of the best shows, our topic, skin cancer. Then we're back the next week with an assistant professor from the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine. Learn how your pets can help you, and how you can help them. We thank our exclusive sponsor, Independence Blue Cross, and for support from Recovery Centers of America, Rothman Orthopedic Institute, and Genentech. This is your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, wishing you a happy, healthy, and safe week with the ones you love, And always here to remind you that your health is your wealth.
0: Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show, as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests, and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
1: Hi, I'm Lisa Thomas-Laurie. If you're on Medicare, I've got great news. Keystone 65 HMO plans from Independence Blue Cross have earned five stars. That's Medicare's highest rating for 2022. Some of these Medicare Advantage plans have no monthly premiums, no deductibles, and no copays for primary care visits and some prescription drugs. And all plans include dental, vision, and hearing benefits with no copays for routine exams. Medicare's highest rating, Philly's most popular plan. Don't wait. Visit ibxmedicare.com/star.
2: Every year, Medicare evaluates plans based on a five-star rating system. Keystone 65 offers HMO plans with a Medicare contract. Enrollment in Keystone 65 Medicare Advantage plans depends on contract renewal. This is a paid endorsement.